This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this week we are speaking with Justin Wise of Think Digital. Justin and I have a lot of fun talking about knowledge worker productivity. We dip into juicing where Justin reveals probably one of the most funny pieces of information that I've ever heard on this show. He talks about how his having ADHD actually increased his productivity how you can recover from a productivity slump in box zero, and much, much more. So let's get started. This week, it is my privilege to talk to Justin Wise. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. It is so good to be here. Um, glad to be aboard. Awesome. Now, we're not in a, a cottage where you're pumping wattage or anything <laughs> like that, but... <laughs> You do the, you do the, uh, and I love that because you do it every single time. And I keep thinking, wow, he's just doing that off the top of his head. And then I realize, wait a second, that's a script. Oh, it's all scripted. Yeah, but you have an awesome podcast called Think Digital. And do you do you intend to have the the hashtag in front of it on purpose or? Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those experiments in branding where. You know, uh, when we're talking about new media, it's all kind of blending together. And yes, you need to have different content pieces for different channels for Twitter, Facebook, podcasting, video, that sort of thing. But I want to see if there's a way to, you know, track the conversation across different social mediums. So that's kind of the purpose behind having the hashtag in there. And of course, it's much easier for me when people are tweeting about it to identify those tweets if they choose to put the hashtag in there. Well, you've got your your hashtag built into the name of your show, which is awesome. Yeah. Had I had foresight, I would have done that myself. <laughs> it would have been a different show, but uh, Yes. So, we've hit on it. You're a you kind of describe it as what? A social, not a social, content marketing practitioner. Yes. What does that mean? Well, here's the thing, and I go back and forth on this. It feels like daily, but New media, Brian Salas says that new media is evolving faster than experts can be formed. And that's always stuck with me because, number one, I find it to be true. And number two, I just have this funny feeling putting the expert word into anything that I do. So sometimes I feel like that's a title that others should use for you, not one that you should use for yourself. Now, having said that, there is value in subject matter expertise. And there's also value in sharing that you have a certain level of that expertise. So the reason why I put practitioner in there is because, you know, I am practicing this craft just as anybody else would who's listening to this podcast or my podcast or, you know, when I'm at conferences, anyone who is trying to do this stuff, (laughs) largely speaking, we're all in this together, and so that's why I use that label practitioner. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's touched on by a couple other people that I've interviewed recently in terms of how you are, what you do, and not being a, a guru or an expert, although some other people could call you that. I get called those things once in a while, and I'm like, I cringe a little inside when it happens. So you're a knowledge worker in some senses because you, yes. you deal with content and sitting in front of a computer daily for uh, tons of time. And, and that's really where I want to go with this and touch on is – the fact that you, like me, and most of my listeners are people who, if we're good, we get out of the office and we go do stuff and whatever. But a lot of our work is is with screens. Yeah. And so how do we fight that? I know that you've had some interesting blog posts in terms of like, say, talking about taking a walk. Yeah. In, in terms of sitting. I, I recently I, – I, I grabbed – I couldn't find the right thing. So I grabbed a cheap – coffee table that's really small and now I sit that on my desk and so I can put my laptop up there and stand yes. at my desk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you have to I mean, there are studies you can google these studies right now. I mean, it wouldn't be hard just type in sitting is killing you into Google. And you know, what we're finding is that as more and more workers kind of transition into this like you were saying knowledge worker and we spend much more time in front of a computer and because of that you know, most of us are much more sedentary than, let's say, a hundred years ago. You know, we we need to find other ways to stay active and to kind of use our bodies throughout the day. And not only that, from a you know physiological perspective, but also from a intellectual and I think creative perspective, we work better when we kind of get out of the routine or we come up with better ideas. Or you know, um, Scott Belsky is a guy who I really enjoy following, and he he's big on taking a walk for inspiration. So let's say you're sitting at, uh, this happened to me the other day, actually, I was trying to get the right feel for a blog post and I just couldn't get it. It just wasn't working. So I went and sat upstairs with my family and then took a walk around the block. And you know, it wasn't like, hey, magical, now I know exactly what to do. But I'll tell you, I came back to that problem much more refreshed and ready to kind of give it a, a new set of eyes. And I think that that holds true for most people who are in our types of positions where, you know, we're using our brains a lot. And sometimes our brains need a break. Yeah. And you even were nice enough when you saw that I asked for juicing recipes to uh, <laughs> tweet me the Crimson Cleanser. That's right. And I am going to – I haven't tried it yet but because I uh, forgot that you'd send it to me. But I have it, <laughs> I have it uh, saved in Evernote and um, – the, just the tell me quickly juicing like what does that do for you? Yeah, so juicing for us. Uh, when I say us, I mean myself and my wife, and actually now our two kids. It was kind of an accident. It was a happy accident where, you know, we realized like our son, my son Finn, he is three years old and he has some pretty bad food allergies. He's allergic to dairy, peanuts, and eggs. So. And that's quite a bit of food right there off the bat that he's sensitive towards. So because of that, long story short, we had to start watching what he was eating very closely. And kind of by accident, we started watching what we were eating and realized that it wasn't the best. So got into juicing through a movie called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, which I highly recommend. It's on Netflix. It's on, I don't know if it's on Hulu or not, but you can watch it. I think you may even be able to watch it online. It might be on YouTube as well. But it tells a story about this guy who was like, he wasn't just a normal looking guy, but he he was having a lot of health problems. So he said, 
I'm going to do a 60-day juicing fast where all he did was drink juices, fruit and vegetable juices. And it tells the story of how he not only, you know, obviously lost weight, but his mental folk, his entire, like, productivity levels changed. He was able to focus for longer periods of time. His kind of mental cognitive abilities changed. And uh, it shows the story, actually, of him, this guy, Joe, and then another guy, I can't remember his name, but this other guy's from Iowa. Like, so it has a special place in my heart because yeah. I'm from Des Moines. But this story just was really inspiring. And so we kind of looked into juicing and have been going strong for about six months now. And, and the changes, I mean, I, I hesitate to share the story, but I'm going to. Um, those are always the best kind of stories anyway. <laughs> Bring it. Uh, when I had two, and this is going to sound strange, but I had two grown men stop me at separate times, one in the grocery store and one at the gym. <laughs> one at the gym and rem- remark on my glowing skin. <laughs> like I said, I hesitate to share that for obvious reasons. But, you know, it, it reflected how the changes that we are feeling on the inside, you know, your skin is the largest organ in your body and blah, blah, blah. But it began to change, you know, not only our health, but just our energy levels and my, my ability to focus, you know, it was just improving rapidly through juicing of all things. Yeah. Um, so we love it. It's great. I am right now, as we record this, almost through day three of my three-day juice fast. Yeah. It's amazing. It is doing amazing things. Like I've I've lost weight. I've lost almost 10 pounds. Oh. <laughs> that way. I know, right? And uh, on top of that, like my brain is just firing. Like I haven't had coffee. I haven't needed it. Yeah. So, Well, yeah. you're a better man than I because I, I still have to do coffee. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple sips in the afternoons, but first thing in the morning, like I just hadn't needed it for some yeah. reason. So. Yeah. Yeah, just just the physicality of it. Like I feel like just my brain is firing and working so much better now. So I'm not going to continue. I mean, I'm not going to do a 60 day juice fast. That's just <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. That's pretty but, uh, severe. Yeah, but I would do three days. You know, every once a month for yep. the next months to just get down to where I'm like optimal. You know, that yeah. makes sense to me. Oh yeah. So. Speaking of brain chemistry, let's go talk about your ADHD stuff because I know yeah. that that is something else where we kind of have a connection is uh, just being diagnosed with that. You you were younger. I was uh, an adult and we've dealt with that kind of in similar ways. Talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, I mean when I was growing up, back in the day, they didn't have the H in there. So it was just ADD mm-hmm. and then they've since turned it into ADHD. But regardless, we all know what I'm, what I'm talking about. But when I – when I was in grade school, would spend a lot of time just in. Tr- I was just in trouble all the time. I couldn't stay in my seat, and would like to just really talk to a lot of people. And now, having looked back on it, back on it, and having a son myself, I'm realizing that you know that's just how some little kids are. They yeah. just they, that's just how they that's how they work. But you know, of course, our education system, and we could probably do a whole other show on the education system of. Uh, in our in our country, but I just wasn't fitting well, and so went through a series of different tests and talked to a bunch of you know psychologists and psychiatrists and these sorts of people, and it was determined well, hey, Justin's got ADD, he's got some problems there in, in terms of focusing. Now that much I, I do believe is true, and so we went through some different methods, you know, some of which were 
some were medicine, some were behavioral methods. So elementary, we, we found the problems. And then I got to junior high and pretty much it all stopped almost immediately for one reason. And that one reason was we had timed class periods for 50 minutes. Then we had a 10-minute break to get to our next class. And then the next class started. And you would repeat this process throughout the whole day. And I gelled really well with that kind of behavioral modification of working for a short, focused amount of time and then taking a break. Working for a short, focused amount of time and then taking a break. And it turns out, you know, there's a name for this, the Pomodoro Method, which I'm sure you're familiar Mm -hmm. with. That has just done wonders for me. And long story short, it's kind of put constraints on the time that I have to focus so I know, okay, I may not be the best at focusing, but I can focus on anything, and Pomodoro uses 25 minutes on, 5 minutes off. I can focus on anything for 25 minutes. And then I was, I was watching the Olympics, uh, 2012 Olympics, of course, Michael Phelps, the swimmer. He's kind of another famous uh, ADHD guy. <laughs> I don't know what you call him. <laughs> and his mom was telling the story about why Michael was so good at swimming and why he enjoyed swimming so much well what's at the bottom of most competitive swimming pools lines and she told the story of you know michael loved swimming because it put constraints on where he was to go like he could look down at the bottom of the pool and see these lines and know hey i had the short amount of space in the world to focus on and you know the results i think all of us can see that you know he's done pretty well in swimming i'd say now some of that is just because he's super talented at swimming, but I really resonated with that because, it, you know, in my perspective, it said, I understand what it means to, to have constraints on your focus and then being able to really do a lot of, of cool stuff in the short amount of time that you focus. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Similar to me is I would find myself doing – when I was diagnosed, I was 20-something, late yeah. 20s, mid-late 20s. And it was a way different world. So suddenly it, a lot of stuff from when I was younger made sense. Mm-hmm. Of course, again, part of it was I was just a boy and a kid. <laughs> so you know, chalk that up to that. But uh, yeah, suddenly the productivity stuff from getting things done and Merlin Mann and, and people, suddenly it was like, oh – uh, this stuff all makes sense and really helps me know how to cope yep. and have a structure and a system to which I can work within. And so that's the way that that, you know, worked for me. And I actually think that guys and gals who struggle with this, and most often it's guys, typically, you know, if I don't know what the exact percentages are, but it definitely favors males getting diagnosed with this sort of thing. We have such a capacity typically to generally speaking, we like to do a lot of different things at the same time. Mm. We get, in other words, we get bored very easily. Yeah, and so having you know lots of projects going on lends itself to just being so distracted that you can't focus. But if you are able to really rein that in and say, "I can still do all these other things," but you know today I'm going to give two time blocks to this project and three time blocks to this project and one time block to this project, that's going to do really well for someone with, with ADHD to say, I can do all this stuff, but I just need to figure out a way to do them consistently and in a structured manner. Yeah, and then that way you're feeling like you're pushing things forward and making progress. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's good. What about uh, when maybe you have a, a stumble in your productivity? <laughs> you mean like to, what just happened by about half an hour before we started talking? You mean yeah. like that? Um, <laughs> You know, that's one of those things where it's really easy to get down on yourself, at least for me anyway. It's like there have been many days where kind of the strategy unravels and you just chuck it and, you know, surf on Twitter the rest of the day or, you know, play Candy Crush Saga or Words with Friends or something and say, well, the whole day's ruined anyway, so might as well chuck it all. But I have found when you played old school Nintendo and you had to do the reset. Right, and and blow in it. Yes, exactly. Or do you like the rapid push up and down? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like w- what I'll do now is to basically say if I find myself trailing off or getting distracted, I'll rein myself back in and essentially say, okay, for the next 10 minutes or whatever, we're going to really indulge in this distraction. And I literally set a timer, the, the Pomodoro app on my computer. I literally set it for 10 minutes, label it distraction time. And when that timer is up, it's like, okay, you've indulged yourself. Now it's time to get back into the stream. And generally speaking, I mean, I can pretty much pick it right back off where I, uh, you know, where I left off. And I don't know what you're like, but I, I do get pretty discouraged if I find myself kind of going down that route of just goofing off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. right there with you, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's not ever that you intended to start that way. It's that yeah. you trailed down rabbit hole after rabbit hole when you were actually doing something that probably was worthwhile to start with. Yep. Yeah. 
It got out of control or something. Yeah. The show's called Beyond the To-Do List. What about Post-It Notes? It's it's a shame because I really enjoyed this method and it worked better when I was in a um, when I was working for a, the the company I was at prior. Now I've started a few different companies and so things are kind of a, a mess. But anyway, all that to say, when I was working more in a kind of single unified manner, what I would do is basically say, and I don't remember exactly where I heard this, but it worked and it may have been Life Hacker actually, and I'm sure they picked it up from somebody. But anyway, the method is basically take a Post-it note. And you write three, four things on there that you want to get done in the day. And anything beyond that, I mean, realistically, if they're worth investing in, anything beyond three or four things on a post-it note, you're not going to get it done. So don't write it down. Now, you can have a list of things that you want to keep track of in terms of you know, ongoing projects and, and those sorts of things. But in terms of what you're actually able to um, accomplish in a day, you know, the method is ba- basically... Anything you can't put on a post-it note, you're not going to finish in the day. So I would use that consistently. And in fact, I took, uh, actually bought on Amazon one of those old, you know, adult restaurants where they would stab the the ticket. Oh yeah. <laughs> I bought one of those, and when I'd finish a day and cross off my three or four items, I'd punch it on the uh, spindle. So I just had this sense of kind of like completion and accomplishment, and it worked great. That's great. That's a really good kind of a tangible way to see that you, you know, you've done the stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, great. I could I could walk away at the end of the day and say I did that. And actually, I mean, when I was in grade school, one of the methods that worked for me was something similar where I would have stickers on my desk and every time I completed a task, I would get a This almost sounds like like a I don't know if it's torture, but it just sounds like me now, but every time I would complete a a task, the teacher would give me a sticker. And if I had enough stickers at the end of the day, then I forgot what happened, but it was essentially I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so anyway, um, it kind of had echoes back to that, which actually did work. So I found it to be really helpful. Yeah. It's, it's just we got to find the positive reinforcement when we do the right things any way we can. Right. And that's really what you're talking about. Yeah. You deal a lot with your show, Think Digital, with digital work. And one of the things you talk about is is email. Do you have any kind of – and I know you and I actually went back and forth a little bit on Twitter about the, the whole Inbox Zero thing recently. Yeah. And there was some article that came out that said – you know, it basically went through and said, hey, don't do Inbox Zero. Do it this way. And yeah. I was like, that is what Inbox Zero is. I just talked to the guy who – who invented it and yeah. it's not what most people think it is and anyway the uh do you ha- but regardless it's still nice to have zero things in your email inbox yes do you have yeah. a workflow for that that you're you're using um i have like i've tr- i honestly i think i've tried every method in the book and that is not a joke i mean i think i've tried I've tried labels. I've tried, you know, GTD. I, you name it, and I've, I've I've attempted to do it. And the system that I have found to be worthwhile that I'm investing in right now, there's a couple different tools. One is just the labeling system in Gmail right now. Is if I didn't have that, I don't know what I'd do, because that helps me to get to inbox zero. And uh, like you were saying, the article about Ink was saying, I think it was from Ink, I think it was Ink.com, but yes, they were yeah, saying. It was. 
I mean, they were describing, like you said, they were describing Inbox Zero, but they were labeling it a little bit differently. So I think it's like, um, I, I think it was helpful for people who felt like they knew what Inbox Zero was. I find that if everything's labeled, right, which essentially is what Inbox Zero is, right, is purposefully identifying and tagging every piece of mail that comes into your inbox. And you can do that a number of, or at least in my method, you can do that a number of different ways. And the way that I do it is I, I use a service called, um, is it Sane Later? I think it's Sane Later. It's Sane something, Sane Box. That's what it is. Oh, cool. Sanebox.com, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com. And it will, you have to grant it permission to look into your inbox. And um, uh, it's, it's GMO dependent, by the way. And so it filters automatically uh, emails coming in. And there are filters that you can do this through Gmail, but this is a little more comprehensive. And it just kind of filters things. And it's like a really smart way to manage your inbox. So that's been helpful to me. Also, making sure that when I leave at the end of the day, and I will sometimes stay up until 11, 12 at night, which is late for me because I have two small kids, ensuring that every piece of mail is identified somehow. Even if it's to say, listen, I didn't get to 50 items in my inbox today, but I'm going to move those to a label that I have called a follow-up so that I know when I start tomorrow, this is where I need to start. That for me has worked really well. I also have a virtual assistant who helps with the load a little bit because now it's getting to a point where even the systems that I do have in place are kind of, they're not failing. They're just, it's not enough to keep right. up. Yeah. Um, and now with the emails that are coming in, there's leads and there's people uh, who need support with some of the services that we're offering. And so I have to really stay on top of it because of that. But the, I wish there was like a, a, a one size fits all, but um you know, I think it's for people, the Inbox Zero method, by the way, I encourage everyone, if they haven't, to listen to that episode of um, your podcast. Because, I mean, that for me was truly helpful to just hear it from the perspective of the creator. And um, I'm blanking on his name uh, now. Merlin Man. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that to me is essentially the only way <laughs> that I can see for people um, who deal with a lot of high volume email to keep up. I mean, truly, that's the only one that I've found that actually works. Yeah. What do you use? I mean, I'm sure you're a fan of Inbox Zero, but yep. how do you make it happen? <clears throat> yeah, well, I I dedicate certain chunks of time throughout the day that are the exact moment where I'm going to go look to see what's in there. Hopefully, there's nothing already in there by the time I get there and that I'm just looking at new stuff that's come in since the last time I checked in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Speaking of which, let me remind you to ask the question about the how you start your morning in a second. Yeah. Because I forget sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> we just get talking. So I use Gmail. I have filters set up automatically for certain things where they go into a, a folder and never touch the inbox ever. And yeah. I know, all right, I need to go look in that folder and do this, this, and this, and then I'm done. Um, I unsubscribe from most newsletters that I can. Uh, there are a few newsletters like yours that I make sure I have come into all into one folder and I check those mm-hmm. once a day and just go through them real quick and let's see. What else do I do? Declare bankruptcy. At yes. one point I did. Yeah, I mean you just, you just have to. At some point I think you just have to and you don't have to maybe, – maybe you can't let yourself have permission to do the entire inbox that way. Fine. Go through and delete everything 
that you can right now first pass. Just do it. And that's usually how I start actually when I go in anyways. Like, oh, junk, 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 junk. Oh, that I've gotten a lot of junk lately. Delete and unsubscribe or report for spam, whatever it is. And, you know, so that's that's kind of how I'm handling it at this point. It's a challenge, man. I think I think honestly that's probably the hardest thing for me to to rein in. Yeah. It's just um you know, somebody's got to figure it out eventually, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think it is even more than social media in some ways. I think email has become one of the biggest productivity pitfalls. Yeah. I'd love to end. Nope, let's not end. I got to ask you that question. <laughs> we already know that you drink juice probably first thing in the morning with your family, correct? Yep. yep. And uh, so that's part of it. But how, in an ideal world, do you start your day? So I'll, I'll answer this quickly in two parts. One, the way that I used to do it, and two, the way that I do it now. The way that I used to do it was would go to bed around nine thirty or ten on a good day. Um, and then I'd wake up around, you know, my wife goes to work out at quarter to five. She's a, she is a, a as dedicated mm-hmm. a person as I know in that area. So typically I'd get up just a little bit after that because I think to myself, if she can go and sweat it out, this mother of two who's just amazing, I can get up <laughs> and, and start, you know, pouring the coffee or whatever. So I'd get up shortly after that, go downstairs and really spend hour, hour and a half just workings. And typically for me, I put all my creative stuff in the morning. So if I have to create content or material or strategy reports, these types of things, I'll put that in the morning because that's when I find I'm most sharp and alert. So uh, it's not unlike some of the other folks you've had on the podcast. Uh, and I know Craig Jarrow from um, Time mm-hmm. Management Ninja. Yeah. Same type of thing where I get up and I'm able to put in a good hour, hour and a half of work before my family gets up. Um, now that has changed recently. Uh, so anyway, you work, family comes down and usually from about seven to nine, I'll spend with them just hanging out, eating breakfast, um, you know, uh, playing with the kids and that sort of thing. And then get to get the day started around nine. Now, recently I have switched that where I will stay up now until my wife goes to bed around oh, nine thirty or 10 and I will stay up from about 10 to 12, maybe 12.30, and do that work that I did in the morning at night, and then sleep until about 7 when the kids get up, and then start the routine at 9. And I made that change because my daughter is going through this weird phase right now where she gets up at like, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's illegal how early she gets up. <laughs> so... You know, I have to spend, you know, we have to put her back down or, or nurse her or whatever. And so getting that focused a uh, couple of hours in the morning isn't possible right now. So I've just tacked it on the last end of the night and it's worked really well and I may stick with it. But that's typically what a day looks like, uh, at least getting started anyway. That's awesome. That's a great example of adapting your schedule when you really have a, a priority need to have to, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the most important part is just finding that uninterrupted block to do the things that matter. Yeah. Well, what I was going to do, and I think I'm going to change this now, is one of the things that you've done with your show is 
talk about all the digital – how you can do digital the right way, digital marketing, digital content, strategy, all that kind of stuff. And one of the first few shows you did was on five email mistakes you're probably making and don't even realize. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tease that and say – and give the link in the show notes. People need to go listen to that. Snap. Because it's good. <laughs> so. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. That was a fun. That was a fun episode, and it really came from. Honestly, most of that is is stuff that I have totally flubbed up myself in building my own list and sending out emails. And it's like, man, if if someone could have told me to not do these things, uh, this would have been hugely helpful for me. So, I have no problems in people profiting off my mistakes. Yeah. So. Consider this that kind of ver- – unless you hate this kind of thing, but consider this that version of, hey, sign up for the email list and get this free ebook thing. You've listened to this podcast long enough and Justin's you know been gracious enough to answer awesome productivity questions. Go check out his show and definitely check out the one with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and Jeff Goins and the five email mistakes you're probably making and don't even realize. Yes, that would be awesome. I would love to have uh, your folks check that out. If you need other credibility to note, I was looking this up a second ago. Yeah, your podcast has all four and five star reviews and you've got like <sighs> 71 total. You're off to an awesome start. Yeah, man, it has, uh, I, I got to tell you, it has been a complete surprise. Um, just kind of started this on a whim and uh, I've just been really encouraged by the response. And not only that, I mean, certainly totally appreciate the listeners, but the community that uh, of podcasters has just been so welcoming. People like you, people like uh, Cliff Ravenscraft, Podcast Answer Man, of course, people like Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt. All these guys have just been incredibly gracious with their time, their expertise. Um, and, I mean, that's a community that I want to be part of, and I know that uh, my listeners, and it sounds strange to say that, but my listeners really enjoy that community as well. So, and it's just been a blast. And uh, special thanks to you for having me on. And um, I, I hope that some of your listeners will check out what we're doing over at Think Digital. Yeah, I will make sure to leave all the links to everything that you've got in the show notes. And Justin, thanks for coming by. It's been awesome to talk with you. You bet, Eric. My pleasure. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, make sure to check out Justin's site over at justinwise.net where you can check out his speaking and his blog as well as his podcast, Think Digital. That starts with a pound sign or the hashtag. And you'll find the show notes and links to all the things we covered at beyondthetodolist.com slash 37. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to check out all the other episodes by going to beyondthetodolist.com or find us in iTunes at beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes. That's also where you can leave us a five-star review if you're enjoying and learning from the show and leave us any feedback you'd like to do. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next episode.